everybody. Hello. Welcome back to the Polly Podcast. Everyone. <laughs> Woohoo! This <laughs> is saying half of sentences each now. Yes. Wonderful. Definitely. How exciting. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. We didn't mention that at the beginning of the bonus episode. Uh, but yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, we were too hot. We were coming in hot that day. Yeah, we were, so yeah. So we, we, we weren't thinking about it. We weren't thinking about Pride Month, but no. we are obviously now thinking about Pride Month. It's very exciting. Yeah, because um, that's exciting and uh, it's a very exciting episode because it's our first guest yes. as well. Yes, I'm very excited. So it's just all exciting things. Yeah, lots happening. Great yeah. episode today. Uh, first off, a big congratulations to you, uh, the, the writer of the podcast <laughs> who's had... Two fantastic articles in Marie Claire Australia. Yeah, go and check them out, guys. If you just search yeah. my name, Siobhan Kanar Marie Claire. Or if you're on Instagram, then oh, yeah, link on Instagram. In, links are in the bio. Yeah, check them out. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, just some more stuff. Shameless plug. Not sorry about it. Yeah, <laughs> but you also have some really cool things to say in the articles. Um, oh, thanks, babe. So, nice. yes. Yes. Indeed. Super exciting. I want to start, actually, today, before we get to our guest, uh, talking about some I, like just an idea some ideas oh, yeah. it's a it's a vague, vague ideas i've been having <laughs> what so for the non-monog folk out there which is pretty much everyone that listens as far as i know sorry if you're not not here to alienate you or anything but uh, <laughs> i'm reaching out to the non-monog listeners right now uh what do you do about talking to people let's say for example you're out in the wild and you're talking to people that you are attracted to and you kind of want to bring up or you want to kind of just slot slot in there that you are non-monogamous like what do you do how do you sort of deal with that how do you make them not make them <laughs> how do you alert them to the fact that alert you are uh, yeah alert them to the fact <laughs> ah! <Not> was... <laughs> get away but how do you alert them to the fact that you are not monogamous in a in a way <laughs> or, or, or and, and, and but also equally how do you kind of figure out if someone else is not monogamous this you know thing, I mean? yeah, it's like it's impossible we, to know. We've sort of chatted about this, I think, like on a dating a dating episode. We sort of briefly we? talked about how we might yeah, yeah, yeah. bring it up and sort of the ways that we do it. But I mean, I mean, you don't always have the confidence or the ability or the desire to speak to another human being or, or feel safe. might be uncomfortable or yeah feel safe this is a big one as well being safe yeah. to bring it up without feeling like you might i don't know it, every, you can't really come up with a single situation because the, the way that this could happen could literally it's like there's millions yeah. of ways that you could bring up or meet someone or talk about being non-monogamous yeah because um, you've kind of come up with a little bit of a yeah. So I think idea. that if only there was a piece of apparel, apparel. or an accessory that would that could uh, do that for you, that is discreet enough that you know people that might not be particularly they might be a little bit hostile towards that, or you know they might be yeah it might just be a bit 
Well, without Funny wearing a it. shirt that says I am yeah, non monogamous. Yeah, exactly. Um, if there was a symbol or something that you could wear that would, you know, when you're kind of in, in the position where you're open to meeting someone new um, and you want to kind of, yeah, like, because at the end of the day, like, you talked about statistics recently in your article, your most recent article. Uh, you did like- some writing recently for another publication that, uh, where you mm-hmm. uh, you kind of did a bit of the mathematics and the rough. Uh, well, I can tell you the stats if you want to know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let's yeah hit, hit us with some stats. <laughs> I was trying to kind of just breeze through, but go. For, no, yeah, I let, know. Let's... Well, I mean, I've written it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of the YouGov trackers is uh, what do Brits think about polyamory, and two percent are currently non-monogamous and 11% are not but open to it. Mm. So if you look at the numbers, there's, and I, of course there's not straight numbers on non-monogamy. I can't like Google it and say how many people are monogamous because it relies on a number of things like self-reporting or mm. whatever. And of course people may not feel safe to do that yeah. and or might not necessarily see themselves as non-monogamous but are in practice. So I looked at the census data from 2021 and kind of had to add up all the different age groups to see how many adults are in the UK. So it's the only stats I could find were people over 15. So I know that's technically not a consenting adult, um, just to be clear. Yeah. But it's about 1 million, 1.19 million people in the UK are yeah. uh, engaged in an already non-monogamous relationship and 11%. Um, so that's 6.5 million people would be open to non-monogamy Okay, so at some it's actually point. even more than one in one in 60. It's, it's, yeah, it's more. It's even more than that. But yeah, like that's when you think about it, that's quite a lot. Like, yeah, if, especially if you're living in a big city like London, you're going to walk past a hell of a lot more than 60 people every day. So at least basically what I'm trying to say is at least one of them would be would be poly. Yeah. You go with or, stats, or yeah. open to non-monogamy and so yeah. So I think how cool would it be if you it, I think it would be a great social thing more than even more so than than like a community building thing. It would m- more that than than like a pickup <laughs> like a pickup thing. Mm. Uh but just kind of helps you kind of reach out to people in the community and kind of build build that community. Um like a symbol or something that you yeah. could wear. Yeah, and I've already designed the symbol, which I think would work great. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I guess the reason why I'm saying this now and today is because I want uh, I want the feedback of the listeners. I want the feedback of anyone that hears this uh, about this idea. Um, and um, yeah, just well, to- yeah. So I'm what I'm hearing you say is that it would be great if there was some kind of symbol that would be wearable in some de- some description that's quite subtle mm-hmm. that um would be able to identify that you are polyamorous yeah. or non-monogamous in some way subtle yet fabulous so i think i mean one I of a real a really well known <laughs> subtle yet fabulous uh <laughs> one of the really well-known ones would be the upside down pineapple swingers, yeah, exactly right? for swingers. and a lot of people outside the swinging community don't know that yeah it's true there's countless stories of people walking into hotel rooms thinking there's going to be a party and remembering the upside down pineapple and then being told later on after they were shocked at what you know transpired yes um (laughs) you know finding out later on and being like oh yeah so so i think that you know and that's something that's been around forever Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. is still Mm -hmm. sort of you know uh on the down low so similar sort of thing just for safety purposes more than anything else um and yeah just be nice 
to have a sort of something to help build community besides uh outside of online forums i guess is what i'm saying oh yeah totally because there's because of the relative um anonymity that comes with podcast podcasting anonymous podcast with with dating apps you know there's you don't have to, you know, if you're not feeling safe, you don't have to meet anybody, yeah. whatever, you know, and that our communities like Field is really open about non-monogamy. There's a lot of apps now that have an option to say that you're looking for a non-monogamous relationship. So you can do that relatively safely, but I do feel like, at least in my own experience, and it sounds like in your experience too, mm-hmm. that there are scenarios in the wild where you're trying to work out how to be ethical, how to be fair to yourself, to the person that you're chatting to, um, but also trying to be safe and make sure that you're approaching possible connections with people in, in the best way for everybody. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe having something like this could be helpful and we would love to trial it or try it and see what people think about it. Yeah. Obviously we need the feedback of, uh, you you guys yeah um to sort of yeah we just we just need we just need that feedback to know whether it's a feasible thing or not and oh yeah so we'll probably do a tile or whatever to go along with this episode on instagram and you can give us some feedback in the same yeah. way that you all have in the past and yeah yeah and, and and just quickly on the on the note of on the yeah on the <laughs> on the note of um uh, you know being people people reaching out to us and kind of interacting with what we've put out there so far uh i think a huge thank you is in order for yeah. the several lovely messages that we've had mm-hmm, we've had mm-hmm. some really really nice feedback from you know i mean there's obviously from our friends who have helped who have kind of really um supported us in that way and yeah. sent us lovely messages when we lo- first launched but also we've got loads of messages from strangers now. Complete strangers, you complete, complete strangers. strangers. It's really creepy. Um, no, I'm joking. No, it's, it's been wonderful. It's been great. It's been really great. Yeah, and it's nice for us as well. Like we wanted to create a community and a resource, but it's really nice to feel that community for us as well. It's yeah. not actually something I really thought about. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, we might have people that are going to reach out to us, and we're going to feel that community in reverse almost. So that was yeah. really nice. Yeah, and and uh, on top of that, like the the extension to that. In the f- going forward, would be like it would it'd be so great to get like so I'd, I'd love some suggestions. Like if anyone has like, oh, you want us to do an episode on this or an episode on that? Mm. Like we're very much a audience uh, driven mm-hmm. podcast. We want all the content that we make to be interesting to and relevant uh, you know, and relevant. Yeah. If there's something you think that we haven't talked about that we really should, please tell us. If there's something that we talked about and you think we missed something or we, you think that we could have mm-hmm. talked about it better, then mm-hmm. we can always do second episodes on, on different things. So, I mean, which we will. There's so many oh, topics yeah. that we've covered in the last month that are just like, yeah. I feel like we've skimmed the surface. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so um, actually speaking of results, I just wanted to address um, our first poll from episode three about polypop culture slash polyamory. Um, cause oh, yeah. we got some, we got a few results from that and yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we should just explain what, it, like the result and why we're going to stick with the name the way that it is. Yeah. Um, because it, it's a bit of an inside joke, but essentially there is, 
Uh, so we put a poll, if you haven't listened or you weren't aware or you're brand new, hello, welcome. Um, we put a poll up on Instagram and Twitter asking how, what we should call one of our segments, which is about uh, po- depictions of polyamory in pop culture. I came up with polypop culture and Richard came up with polyamory. And I will say that my suggestion of polypop culture won by a country mile. Did it? Yes, except my sister voted for yours, which is hilarious. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and then uh, we realised that there's actually a, already a brilliant Instagram page on Insta- Instagram. There's an Instagram page on Instagram, Instagram guys. Like, wow. Um, called Polypop Culture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and they are fantastic, and we actually already followed them, and yeah. we just really don't want to like, even though well, it's a sub. Well, I followed them. After oh, afterwards, you? yeah, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" So, and then, but I was like, obviously, don't want to step on anyone's toes. But I think oh, that, yeah. but I think at the end of the day, like we, it's a bit of an inside joke. It is. We, well, first of all, go follow them because they're fantastic. Yes, and they're good, they're um, good fun page. Yeah. We've only got like it's a small segment on our show, but at the same time, like we want to, you know, like support all poly brands. So go follow yeah. them. Um, but yeah, it is also an inside joke. Richard, would you like to share the well, inside I mean, joke? It, it's for the Peep Show fans out there. What, me, <laughs> I have introduced Siobhan uh, as as an Australian in the UK to as many different uh, <laughs> British sitcoms and cultural touch points uh, just so that she assimilates, you know. Um, <laughs> no, um, in fact, she's doing the same for me now, but uh, for Australian culture. But before we we watched The Office, we watched uh, that's the UK office. We watched um, well, the big one is Peep Show, um, which of course I am obsessed with. Absolutely love it. Yeah, and there is a moment in, in Peep Show where uh, uh, Alan Johnson, uh, who is Mark's one of. Mark's bosses, one of the main characters. One of the main characters' yeah. bosses. Um, after the company goes, goes broke or whatever, spoiler alert, um, they they kind of meet back up again and try and start their own company, a consulting a consultancy company, and uh, the the name that they are choosing between is Consultio or Consultius, and of course Alan being completely <laughs> just off the wall um, and uh, just an enigma, really. Yeah. Um, is he's having a bit of a breakdown, just decides on consultio, consultius. And on the business card, it literally is consultio, consultio slash, slash consultius. So, ladies and gentlemen, and everything, or otherwise, <laughs> um, excluding myself from my, my own announcement. <laughs> uh, folks, um, we can now reveal... We can the, finally reveal... The winner of the poll... <laughs> Will not be the name. It the name will remain. <laughs> Polypop culture slash Poppy Amory, uh, which is we think we're hilarious. Everyone else is just sat there like, what the fuck? And also, I think everyone was on the edge of their seat for two weeks waiting for this result. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone's really the results about have anything else. finally come in, guys, and we're so happy to reveal it. Yeah. So thanks for and we're su- going to disregard. <laughs> For our own, just for our own amusement. <laughs> anyway, we've trolled you enough with that. So there I think. you go, let's, guys. Uh, let's let's so let's, enjoy that. You've got one more thing to talk about though before we. Actually I do. Get I to do. I guest. do. Um, um, something less about us and more about the world, which you know. Yeah. It's not very intro of us because I feel like intros when you're a podcaster, you're allowed to just like yap on about yourself for half an hour. But we've probably mean, done if, that for long if, enough. If the smartest guys have taught us anything, then that is that is what you're supposed to do. 
Yeah. But um, so you found something so interesting I, and slash cool slash yeah uh, something intriguing. To talk about. Yeah. So I also had an issue. So I'm talking about the app Field dating app, which we've talked about heaps of times on the show before, and. I actually had an issue with my settings a little while ago where I felt like I'd actually scrolled to the end of field. You completed field. And I was like, this is impossible. How? I I truly believe it's impossible to scroll to the end of field. And I had to keep switching between the two different like London locations and all this stuff. And it's fixed itself. And I think it was just a little glitch. But I had a moment where it said no one's around. And I looked at my phone and I was like, have I finished field? Like what? He was the first person to complete. It was, it was a very strange feeling. Complete it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I now that the settings have re- restored and everyone's come back into my virtual world, uh, I was having a scroll the other day, and this came up on my phone. And in the years that I've been on dating apps, you know, since I was twenty three, twenty two. You know, in my seven years on dating apps, I have never experience this or seen this what is it so it's a profile and it's i'm not gonna name names or anything i don't want to put these guys on blast because i actually really like what they're doing but we'll get to it um and basically it's a profile for two best friends who are both straight and they identify or they look like they're both men and they don't identify as men well they both look exactly the same they as well. have very similar look and they're basically looking for threesomes foursomes um or just you know heterosexual male and female penis and vagina sex and then they've got their heights and their ages and their special abilities is unlimited stamina which <laughs> extremely impressive and if true. If true. <laughs> Big if true. Look, power to them, you know. Uh, and I just, I've never seen two best mates. Two straight dudes. Two straight best dude friends. Have a joint profile. Sign up for a dating app and a joint profile yeah. and then look for group sex together. Game changer. And I, I mean, I sort of said to you, oh, I, first of all, my first thought was like, oh, are they okay seeing each other like have sex with other people and get naked and you? So that's probably not like quite un- not unusual. I think for... to to if they're like really tight bros, yeah. Then um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see it being an issue. But then after speaking to you, like when you think about it, I just thought, well, I don't hate that there's two friends that are out there. Trying to explore their sexuality and... Well, if they're doing it in a supportive manner, you know... And and obviously consensual manner, doing it for the right reasons. But I just thought, this is actually like... Like if it's two... Sorry to interrupt, but if it's it's two bros that are like, like, oh yeah, let's go and get some pussy together, then I'm like not there for it. Like that's toxic. But if they're there like... Dude, like you're my you're my bro. Like let's let's have let's have some group sex together. Like hundred percent. Like we're not going to do anything together, but like. I'll have your back. You have mine. No pun intended. Yeah. And then um, if, if there is a pun there, I don't know. But, um, you know, uh, that's cool. That's cool. I think so. And I think like just not even really about them, but just in general, I feel like if you're trying to explore having group sex and you're unsure about it or you might not have – say you don't have a romantic partner that you want to do it with or you're not comfortable with or that exist, you have one partner and that existing partner is like not someone that 
wants to do that or you're not into it Mm -hmm. or they're not into it rather if you've got a best mate that you can say hey like i really want to explore this you want to explore this i want to have i need an extra layer of security i want to go with someone that i can trust and if you're then getting your friend both of you are going on and doing that as friends i think that that's actually kind of smart you know if you want to take these steps to make sure that you're being safe that you're feeling comfortable that you're doing something ethically and with the support that you need i mean i'm not this is not necessarily just about these guys this is just in general now like, i was gonna say i think like that's sounds, not sounds like women would really benefit yeah to, um especially if they have like multiple friends that they're willing to do it with and uh maybe a mixed group as well and mm. they don't necessarily want to have like you don't necessarily have to want to have sex with each other to go to sex parties or have group sex with other people absolutely together that makes sense and like these guys both say that they're straight yeah, so exactly. they're probably they're, not looking yeah. to get involved with each other because then they wouldn't need an app for that they could just go ahead and do it right so i don't know i just think super interesting i thought it was really thought-provoking for me yeah. and i just thought well you know Maybe if you're listening, hit, hit us up. Uh, hit, hit us up with your thoughts on that. And if you think, um, you know, do you is the, do you have a friend that you would do that with? Are you one of these people that does that with friends? Yeah. Like, how common is that? Maybe we're just um, only noticing this one thing. Yeah. But um, hundred yeah. percent. But yeah, I just thought good on him. Interesting. Cool. Well, shall we take a quick break and then when we come back, we'll um, we'll have Roy with us. We'll have Roy with us. Yeah. And we'll have a little chat with him. A little chit chat. About his stuff. About his stuff. About his stuff. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a break. All right. Okay, folks. Uh, we're excited to welcome today's guest to the show. Uh, he's a mentor, consultant, coach, and psychotherapist in training. He's also created a range of educational courses and has over seven years experience running workshops and facilitating groups focusing on non-monogamy, sex positivity, consent and kink. So a big welcome to the Poly Podcast, Roy Graff. Hello. So excited to have you with us today. First guest. Yeah, our very first guest actually. So um, we're pumped about it. Big time. Uh, So thanks so much for giving up your time and speaking with us today. We'd love just if you could start off by telling us and our listeners a little bit about yourself and and the work that you do. Okay. Um, Nice to be here. Good morning. Um, Where to start? So I have been um, interested in relationships and communication and and consent for quite a long time. Uh, I started my journey in the sex positive in the world on the kink scene and um, learned a lot about consent through that. And I was introduced to polyamory about 10 years ago. Um, for a long time, I was just practicing and, and, and uh, experimenting with the different variations and dynamics and within non-monogamy. And um, around maybe three years ago, during the time that COVID started, uh, I had to give up my normal job yeah. um, because of COVID. And uh, was looking for things to do and things that would interest me uh, included signing up to various courses, uh, starting training in nonviolent communication, radical honesty, wheel of consent, and uh, eventually got to psychotherapy and decided to uh, start training as a psychotherapist. 
Um, around that time, I've also been, again, because I had a lot of free time, uh, started posting a lot of content on Instagram to do with expansive relationships, um, open relating in the, in, the, in the context of really being totally open, honest, vulnerable in your relationships. So open relating is, an, is, is the name of my website, openrelating.love, but it's not about being sexually or romantically open. It's really about being just totally open authentically in your relationship and through that content um i gained you know a lot of followers and people started asking for advice and i basically put together all of my previous training and my experience my lived experience and started offering coaching and that worked really well with my therapy training and at the moment i offer both individual couples and polycule coaching as well as uh, counseling therapy uh, one-to-one uh, in person. Most of my coaching work is online, but I also see people in person in London. Oh my gosh, you're doing there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. so much. It's like so <laughs> impressive. It's also great that there's, you know, so many, I think people that are in open relationships or, you know, practice polyamory in some way. It's hard to find a therapist or a coach that is poly friendly, that you don't have to go to them and explain the, the concepts of of what it is that you're doing. And so that's sort of, that's really helpful, I think, for everyone, for our listeners to know, but everyone to know as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. So you're, you're solo, Polly. Um, could you maybe describe a little bit, because some of our listeners maybe might not be that familiar with that, um, you know, or those who, who might not know at all what, what that is and some of its key principles sort of around it, maybe for you yeah. and maybe more, more generally as well. Certainly. Um, so I was in a, in, a pri- in, a, in the past, I was in a primary live-in relationship um, that didn't work so well. And there was a lot of reasons why, but ultimately our values didn't really align and we didn't communicate that clearly. And I think being in a nesting relationship, it builds certain expectations around hierarchy, you know, and prioritizing your partner. And I always struggled with that without necessarily knowing why, understanding. And it was only afterwards when I started dating as a solo person, basically started dating um, telling people I'm polyamorous, telling people that I don't do hierarchy, that I don't have a primary partner. And whoever I'm in relationship with, when I'm with them, they are the most important important person to me. And uh, at the same time, I don't prioritize time and attention to one individual, right? Um, Whereas everybody else is secondary, which is often what happens in a primary type relationship. So solo polyamory for me is, first of all, recognizing that I have a relationship with myself that's very important to uphold. And that means also building in time to date myself, to stay alone, to do things, or to go out and see friends and you know, really nourish my, my self kind of growth. And beyond that, it is, in my case, choice to live alone um, and invite people or visit people, but it's kind of under my, kind of my control um, who I let into my space. You know? Not everybody does that. There are people who are sole polyamorous and live with partners or live with flatmates. Um, and regardless of whether I've been with a partner five years or six months, that doesn't determine again, any particular hierarchy. Of course, there's going to be an emotional connection and intimacy that builds over time. And that's going to look different for an an established partner versus a new partner. Um, but I, I would say that I try to, um, allocate time and attention, um, not not necessarily equally, but without necessarily the consideration of somebody deserves more time just because we've been together longer or anything like that. It's really about what our relationship needs 
and where it's going mm -hmm. and just looking at that in isolation mm -hmm. um, and you know and that normally is what I do is is also is also something I practice is parallel polyamory okay. meaning I, I date people individually um, I, I I primarily date women so I will normally you know <clears throat> in podcast probably say she or her um, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. to partner and um, so when you say parallel polyamory, does that mean that they don't date each other or they don't know each other? Like, what's the distinction there? So they don't necessarily have to know each other. It's kind of up to them if they want okay. to. I would introduce them happily if they okay. want to. And there's, cool. there's going to be events like my birthday party where I invite my partners. Mm -hmm. um, so they were all invited and then they all got to know each other or did they know each other beforehand? Well... Mm, some do some some yeah some partners do uh, have met before um we sometimes meet maybe with two or three like we had dinner um on sunday with three of my partners oh uh, cool together. that's great yeah i love that um, so that was very nice the yeah it's it's you know i would make the introduction if they're interested and then whether they want to stay in touch it's up to them but yeah. if we get on and we have a nice time you know it's it's mm -hmm. ultimately uh you know something that we might do again but it's very flexible yeah uh, often it's that. really about available time right because yeah, they true. may also be other people and they have their own lives so yeah. coordinating that is tricky yeah. yeah yeah absolutely i actually read something recently where people say if you ask anyone who's i mean any form of open or polyamorous relationship that you expect them to say the biggest challenge is jealousy but actually one of the biggest challenges is time management um <laughs> and trying to All work out schedules. who's doing what you know yeah, so i was i think that it, Sorry, jealousy can be a challenge, but it's also an opportunity to discover so much and learn about yourself and mm. understand yeah. your triggers and then work on them and come to a place of, of feeling more safe, more secure, mm. and that's how you manage that. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, um, you can't necessarily make jealousy disappear, but you can definitely have a handle on it and let not let it control yeah. your life. Yeah. Totally. So on, on that sort of in that vein of thought, um, obviously there's there's the for anyone there's there's the um, the challenge of regulating right and kind of managing those feelings and things like that when you i suppose if you have a primary or you have a you know a more hierarchical way of doing things then a lot of the time uh you can you obviously it's it's healthy to self-regulate right but sometimes you you maybe re help regulate each other a little bit but you in a solo poly situation like how, what are some of the ways that you and this is i think this is useful for anyone who may be wanting to learn how to uh, regulate their emotions maybe a bit more effectively or efficiently um yeah like what, what do you if you don't mind like maybe you could share some of the sort of techniques or some of the things you've learned over the over the years and in your experience about how you how you regulate kind of in a solo way mm. well i think it's over over time and experience you learn what are the, your triggers and you learn mm. where things might be uncomfortable and you can learn to anticipate that that might be the situation right so you can prepare as well um i'm i'm naturally not necessarily a very jealous you know i don't i don't experience jealousy in a very visceral kind of strong way it's more just a pang and and i'm i'm fine with that and i've learned to just appreciate it for actually showing me that i care about somebody to the point where there's something yeah. that scares mm. me or you know feels like a risk a little bit but that's mm. that's fine um the i think the key is to just know what makes you happy and what makes you relaxed and just go and do that activity for me that can be cycling or going for a walk um or um i don't know uh just doing some uh 
TRE, trauma release exercises, which is a kind of shaking type of release. Oh, yeah. Also, okay. that really helps. Um, and so I found some somatic ways of, of doing that. And that's sometimes I also work with clients, showing them that they can do something more somatic, more physical. And that can include breath work. So sometimes, even with I am with a partner, I would prefer to like focus on self-regulating rather than expecting my partner to do them. Uh, I mean, co-regulation yeah. can really be helpful, and I love that I have several that I can reach if I need support. And if one isn't available, maybe another one will be. Like it's you know, it's it's great to have that as an option. Of course, even if you're not in a multiple partner relationship, you can establish that kind of vulnerability and trust and intimacy with 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 friends. It doesn't have to be about sexual or you know, romantic intimacy, and be able to call on friends or family to to help you with that mm -hmm. and i think that's about recognizing that it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to build that intimacy with more than just your main primary partner or you know including including a monogamous partner it doesn't have to mm -hmm. be the only person that you yeah that with yeah mm -hmm. i mean it's it's so true and we say this a lot that so many of the things that you can learn from being in a polyamorous relationship it, it's it transfers right across to all forms of relationships, even monogamous relationships. Like we've often said if we had been a little bit better at some things, our monogamous relationships would have been better when we were back when we were monogamous. Yeah, totally, totally. And that kind of, you know, the idea of not necessarily being possessive over your partner, I think is another thing that can link to that, you know, and trying to get rid of any feeling of possessiveness. Um, was that like a hard thing to do? Um, like how did you get, how did you manage that now that you're sort of solo poly and, you know, it feels like you don't really behave in a possessive way or even say anything and that sounds like you are possessive. So how did you get there? Like, how did you manage that? Well, I mean, possessiveness isn't innate. It's not a natural thing we are born with. We, you know, we learn it because mm. as children, we often see our parents behaving in a possessive way towards the partner or towards children. Uh, oftentimes, love is conditioned on something on you achieving on being good at something on performing a task uh, or uh, showing attention to your parent in order to get love right so we're learning that love is related to attachment and, and and control and possessiveness and stuff like that but that's not really true it's just unfortunately how people have learned to behave yeah so uh for me i guess I didn't certainly have much of a, a parental role model as a, as a father. Um, and I had to basically figure that out on my own, the kind of the whole masculine side of my life. Mm -hmm. And, but I've always been around very strong, independent women. And I think that I've never really got to a place where I felt like I, I should be possessive of my partner in any way. Right. Yeah. And I always really was a strong believer in freedom, which is why monogamy felt constrained to me because there was all these mm. external uh, systems that kept you in a way restricted, you know, and limited. And even though I didn't have the vocabulary to understand for myself, even or even let alone explain to a partner what I was missing, I was missing something, right? Mm. So within polyamory, I feel free. I feel totally free. And that freedom just means I can be more authentically me. Yeah. So of course, I want that for my partners just as much. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I love watching and seeing my partners feel free to express themselves in whatever way is right for them. Mm. Um, so I get a lot of com kind of compersive feelings, you know, compersion. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, <clears throat> that's not necessarily something that everybody has naturally, but I mm -hmm. see it as it's like externalized empathy. Right. And it's mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's uh, like the 
this idea that, yeah, recognizing that my partner feels safe and free to express herself um, is just fills my heart with a lot of love and joy, you know, and, and um, yeah, I, I, it's like, it's like this virtuous cycle, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just not missing anything. And that's, that's the key. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that ties in pretty well with um, kind of your, the, this concept that you, we haven't mentioned it yet, but this concept <laughs> that you've, um, uh, or, or rather the voc piece of vocabulary that you have um, kind of introduced to to the discussion that I think, I think needs to be put out there. Um, <laughs> so this, this, this sort of uh, concept of multigamy rather than, uh, rather than non-monogamy, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about that and how, you know, how poly people are often defined by what they're not rather than what they are. And I guess that's where this sort of comes from, right? Yeah. I mean, we live in a world that is very much defaulted to monogamy, right? I mean, and, and that mm -hmm. wasn't always the case in human evolution, but it is for the last few thousand word, uh, years. And this is just a reality. So anybody who uh, wants to explore an alternative way of relating is facing an uphill struggle, is basically swimming upstream and <laughs> being told all the time that it's wrong, that it's not natural, that it won't end well, that you, it's not, doesn't really mean, you know, there's no commitment, that it's just casual. All those things are thrown at them. And for some people, especially if it comes to people close to them, it's going to have an impact. And yeah. words, I think, words are important. Words often can determine how we construct our reality. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of good um, studies around that, you know, comparing different languages, people who grow up with different languages and how they think differently. Uh, and mm -hmm. one example is that I've, I've studied Chinese, Mandarin Chinese, and in Chinese, the language itself um, sets you up in a mindset that is a lot more focused on group, on, on group well-being than on individuality, right? Oh. The way it's constructed is basically focusing on the group, on the good of the group, mm -hmm. not on individual needs and wants. So interesting. And, and mm. Western languages are very different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One example, a very simple example, um, is that in, in West, when we write an address, we put in the name first, then the house number, and then, then, then the country at the end. In Chinese, it's reversed. So it's first country, city, street, and then by the end, later, the, the, the name. Oh, wow. And logically, it actually makes sense because you're, when you're finding somebody, that's how you, you start looking yeah. for them, right? But also, it's the, the concept of the individual is less important than the group. Yeah. Um, so when I talked about when I started looking at the different terminology that's out there and learning about it, and you know, there's people confuse sometimes polyamory with non-monogamy because because it's not that clear cut and there's mm -hmm. not enough knowledge yet out there and acceptance. So the way I understood it as non-monogamy was given as an umbrella term for any kind of relationship dynamics that involve more than just two people exclusively together. That yeah. can include triads and swinging and open relationships and, of course, and also polyamory. But when you say non-monogamy, what are you actually saying? That you're saying it's not monogamy. It's something else other than the, the default normal thing. Yeah. So it already sets this like idea of like I'm doing something that's like in a negative zone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't like that. I don't like to be defined by something I'm not. It, it doesn't, you know, imagine if you called the people who are heteronormative, you know, uh, heterosexual, like you're non-gay or non-queer yeah. <laughs> i don't know how much they like that like when you put it that way it really doesn't make much yeah. sense it's very unfair and uh, you're non-non-monogamy yeah. yeah it's really it's a really refreshing <laughs> yeah. take though because it it's something that i hadn't even 
thought of. Thought of. Nah, but, me neither. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's so true oh. when you reverse it. You're, it's so clear when you switch around how ridiculous it is. Yeah. So if I basically say, call everybody else, like you're, you're non-polyamorous, but you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense anymore. So yeah. I look for a different way of defining that. And logically, just in terms of etymology, polygamy would probably make sense because it's already polyamory, but gummy, gamos is relationship. You know, it means marriage, but mm. now we use it to mean relationship. Right. Monogamy is not only marriage, right? So yeah. um, w- words do change in meaning over time. And unfortunately, polygamy already has a use, has a connotation. It was essentially co-opted by one person with multiple partners. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had to like look for look elsewhere, and that's what multigamy was like. The only option I thought was easy enough to say and clear, very very clearly what it means. You know, just multiple relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of of any description. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love a new word. Definitely. Also, maybe we should. St- maybe we could just start saying to our friends, "Oh, oh you're non-polyamorous." I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just see how it went. <laughs> um, but you say that, like, you know, you just said language is important, and um, there's been so many terms that are coined for people to be able to define themselves within in the world, and sometimes they're great, and that's really helpful for someone to be able to go, that's me, I relate to that, but it's also can be quite limiting because ultimately people are going to, not everyone is going to be able to fit into one or more categories. Like there's always going to be someone who doesn't quite fit there or doesn't identify with that. So, you know, you've got terms like, as we mentioned, non-monogamy, there's also like non-binary how do you think these terms have an impact on people? You know, mm, how, and I how have, might they impact yeah. people? That's a tough question because people are so different. And I know mm. people, there are some people who don't like labels at all. And just yeah. like, you know, maybe they're relationship anarchists or maybe they just don't do labels and just mm. do what they feel is right. Mm-hmm. And I totally get that. I think labels are only useful if they're useful to you. Uh, and, if, and of course, when you're trying to explain something to communicate, it's good that there is a common understanding of what a word means. Mm. Um, even with solo polyamory, not everybody get understand it the same way. For me, solo polyamory really means multiple, mostly parallel, um, emotionally connected, attached, you know, very kind of intimate relationships mm-hmm. mm. that ideally will last, you know, for a long time. Maybe, maybe not, and that's not the point of it. But you know, if everything goes well, then then I don't see any reason why not. Whereas I think there's a common uh, under different understanding of solo polyamory as very similar to just being single and dating and yeah. kind of being yeah. casual and not looking for commitment because ultimately when people have in mind commitment, they automatically jump to either monogamy or like a primary partner, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, totally. and I'm trying to change that mindset of definitely what commitment means. Um, because for so long, when people thought about commitment, it was very much, what are we, Creating together to keep us locked in to this dynamic, yeah. like winning a house, getting children, signing a marriage certificate, right? Mm-hmm. All these are these external institutions and symbols that help us feel more committed. But it is like a crutch, really, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Totally. Right? Like, why do I need the state to tell me that I'm committed to my partner? <laughs> why can't I just feel that commitment yeah. and express it and just live it? You know, that's that's really enough. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. And something that, sorry, I just wanted to, like something you just said about people looking at poly, uh, solo polyamory 
and thinking, oh, you know, you're just dating, it's casual, whatever. Like that's actually something that we are hierarchical polyamorous, but we also experience that a bit because people mm-hmm. are aware that we have a, a primary relationship. They think, oh, well, oh, well, you know, you've got your primary relationship. So everything else that you're doing is just like casual. You just want to have fun. Yeah. And it's that's just not true. Like mm-hmm. either all the relationships that we have are meaningful, they're fulfilling, and they might not be the person that we live with, but that doesn't mean that we're just going out there trying to meet random people. Like everyone that we have connections with need to like mean something to us and they're very important people to us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's an experience that we have as well, even though the way that we do, you know, alternative relationships is a little bit different to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. I mean, first off, of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting casual relationship as long as it's, mm. it's, it's of course, of course yeah. communicated and everybody's happy with that. You know, it's great. Um, and I do have some casual connections as well. Mm. Uh, but even the casual connections are meaningful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's the key word, isn't it? Yeah. Meaning, meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, I th- and some people just want to live alone and don't want uh, somebody that they see every day. That's for them important to have their own freedom and independence. And they might be busy, even if they don't have other partners, they might just be busy with work and, and mm-hmm. hobbies or kids or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, if we are able to somehow change what people think of when they hear commitment and, um, or this automatically assumption that, yeah, if you have a primary relationship that everything else is less important, that's not true at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's important in, in a hierarchical situation to be very clear on what the agreements and boundaries are that, you know, so anybody coming into that, especially if they don't have a lot of experience, but even if they do, you know, they I think if they, if they have experience, they are probably going to ask the questions about what are your agreements? What are your boundaries? If somebody's mm-hmm. new, they may not know to ask those questions. And that's where people with the more experience can basically take that on board and be like, well, if you're being involved, you know, ultimately, if I'm a partner in a primary relationship, I will have a relationship with with you. Um, but here are the ways that in which my other primary relationship might have an impact. Right? right. As in, you know, we have an agreement that if my partner is sick and needs my support in some way, that that has to be a priority, for example, especially mm-hmm. maybe if you have kids or pets or whatever. Yeah, totally. Um, and all these small ways that um, it can impact emotionally and materially on the other person. Um, and that kind of discussion, I I feel, needs to happen quite early on in the in the primary couple's kind of decision about opening up to really mm-hmm. consider what will, what could be the possible impact on other people that are getting involved. Yeah. Absolutely, that's yeah. so mm-hmm. important, and we like try to we do that like very early on as well, um, because you know you have to be. I mean, it, we 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 use ethical non monogamy as a term sometimes too, and we always say to people. That's why there's the word ethical in there yeah. because you want to do the right thing and, and you're not just treating people as someone yeah. that you're dating because, oh, why not, you know? Yeah, in a weird way, the, the word ethical there is actually probably the most important one. Yeah, um, if we're speaking about language. Yeah, but I mean, if I could just quickly make a quick – I'm going to circle back <laughs> to language. <laughs> I know some people hate that that term, like I'm going to circle back. It's like the COVID sort of like, yeah. like don't say that ever again. <laughs> it's triggering for, for the Zoom people. meetings. That yeah. Um, but um, yeah, the, the vocabulary and, and um, it's obviously incredibly important. Um, and I just find it really interesting that there's this balance, isn't there, between um, having the right vocabulary or having too much vocabulary. Because like sometimes, like for example, <laughs> 
um, I can I can just imagine people going through, um, you know, going through this kind of learning uh, phase and and kind of wondering what it is that they are, mm. and only looking at the existing vocabulary and being like, oh yeah, that sounds like me. That sounds like me. That sounds oh wait, that doesn't sound like. And getting confused about it and kind of, and there is this fixation in society on these kind of boxed sort of mm. identities and i'm i guess there isn't necessarily a question here but it, it, like if, if you have a comment on that yeah. and how that maybe your experiences with kind of people getting maybe a little bit jumbled up with vocabulary and kind of it, it making it more confusing or more sure. anxiety inducing well, I, I have a lot to say on that because I am kind of a language nerd. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, a very long, extensive glossary on my website that, that actually gives definitions oh, and cool. external links for a lot of different terminology around relationships in general, not only not, uh, multigamous relationships, but just in terms of how to communicate and using yeah, a lot of vocabulary there and phrases that can be helpful uh, in explaining that. The, um, you know, language is a living thing. It's a dynamic thing. Polyamory wasn't a word that it wasn't like in the 60s or 70s, right? So it also was something that was that needed to exist and didn't. So somebody created it, mm. and that's how all words came to being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. So we don't necessarily be stuck with in a box if if it doesn't fit. Um, and the queer community generally has been really good about that, about coming up either either making new words or reclaiming words like queer. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. To uh, to help define themselves and like feel more more secure in themselves. Now, I funny you mentioned like ethical non-monogamy and some people call it consensual non-monogamy. Beyond it being much longer, where it's like hard to say because it's so long, <laughs> um, I do find it a little challenging and annoying to be expected to add these adjectives, add these like mm. um, the, um, uh, descriptors of consensual ethical. Where somebody who says I'm monogamous never feels that they need to say I'm ethically monogamous That's rather so than a monogamous and cheating. So yeah. if somebody mm. says monogamous, am I going to like just assume that they're cheating because they didn't add ethical? <laughs> That's so <laughs> true. Yeah, and this is when multigamy so comes we, in, right? As why well. is, yeah, so why are we not supposed to do that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because yeah. then you get rid of the, uh, you're, you're qualifying that you're non something. And you're also removing an, uh, what is effectively an unnecessary adjective by, by changing yeah. that word to multigamy or something like that. Or, yeah, because ultimately, when you, if you're saying this is what I'm doing openly, then mm. you, I mean, the implication needs to be uh, it's done consensually and ethically. Yeah. But yes. Involved is aware. Yeah. If you're not, you're a douche, and you're, you know, and that <laughs> that's a different problem. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that is that can happen regardless of your dynamic. You can be a yeah a bad person. So yeah. 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 That's so. That's oh, so true. Absolutely. I'm going to start when people. I'm going to start saying I'm multigamous from now on. <laughs> yeah, just hit people and with then, some vocab. And then, yeah, and then I'll and then I'll just have to explain it, and then that'll spread the word. Yeah. Oh, and, my partner and, and I are monogamous. Can Sorry. They say, "Oh, I'm monogamous." Ask them, "But are you ethically monogamous?" Yes. yes. Is that consensual? That's good. Or... That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, I love this. I think all and also any monogamous listeners, I want you to start saying we're ethically monogamous. Right? Yes. Let's let's, <laughs> let's let's turn the let's, tables. Let's, let's, let's turn tables. The, yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Right. So um. So just sort of probably our final question on this. Do you think? Yes. Yeah. Probably. Um, Who knows? So anyone that's listening um, that maybe is thinking, I want to explore this a little bit more. 
Um, what do you mean? More like uh, sorry, multigamy. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, if people want to explore a little bit more and sort of uh, how is it how is it a different relationship dynamic and um, yeah, what what steps can people take to kind of um, explore it? I guess. Yeah, and all of their like all the you know, there's just as you mentioned before, there's just like a huge amount of words and it can feel a bit overwhelming, overwhelming you know. <laughs> So, and it certainly was for us, I think, like for me, it was always really overwhelming. I was like, what do I, who, what do I, so if someone wanted to start exploring this a little bit more, you know, what are some of the, yeah, the steps that you could take? Well, um, I think that the, the, the most important thing is, is to ask yourself, first of all, would you be accepted as such? I mean, if you start talking about it very openly, mm. not, you know, just saying this is my desire, I'm not interested in exclusive relationship. I'm not interested in limiting myself to just one person at, the, at a given time. Um, if you talked about that in your circle, will people, you know, will people shun you? You know, would, would it be have a negative impact on you? Because that really determines how you explore it. Some people need to be secretive about it because they wouldn't be accepted in their circle or in their society. Mm-hmm. You know? And I have clients who also come from countries where it's going to be extremely dangerous for them mm. in the Middle East or Africa where, you know, they can't be open about it, if, especially mm-hmm. if they're like uh, multigamous and queer, you know? Yeah. yeah. So so that that's going to make a big difference. There are, of course, online communities and forums where you can start just listening to other people's stories and experiences and normalizing it for yourself as a thing, as a, as a valid life lifestyle, you know? Um, I offer uh, regular peer support online um, and I have a lot of videos on my website and I basically try to have a lot of resources that make it a bit more accessible in terms of considering the ways in which it might impact your life, right? Mm. So at this point, it's still theoretical. Yeah. But really talking to people about it, feeling like you're not alone in this is really important. You know, when I first started, luckily there was a, you know, some a partner that introduced this to me and... I then started looking around to see, well, is this a thing, really? Because I've never heard about it before. Mm. I never knew there was an option. Um, I always had this yearning to connect with another person other than my partner. And I just thought, well, this is wrong. I just have these like thoughts. I'm going to basically either shut him down or maybe it's indication I don't love my partner anymore. So I, we have to break up. You know, that's, mm. that's kind of what's my pattern. And mm. I, so that definitely blew my mind to know, wow, that's actually, you can keep having a great relationship with your partner and also build other relationships <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, <laughs> yeah. That was your experience, wasn't it? Too? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It, is, yeah. it was like, hang on a minute. Maybe I'm, maybe, the, maybe I'm not crazy. <laughs> maybe, maybe there yeah. isn't anything wrong with me. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So yeah. that's, I think, and that can build confidence. That's really important. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the number one way people meet each other these days is online is on dating apps. Mm-hmm. apparently if you're in a big city where there is a uh a polyamory meetup um or kind of polyamory um yeah group socials or stuff like that then that's great because you can just come without any intention of anything other than making some friends and and being in this environment where mm-hmm. there's more people kind of like you as your people yeah, right? yeah. yeah. you feel like and, you're, in your, you're, in, you're in the place you belong sort yeah. of thing. yeah and more and more apps now thankfully are adding uh, well, they call it non-monogamy. Maybe there should be like a petition to change that, but uh, <laughs> the moment they call it. And you can say that you are yeah, uh, looking for something other than monogamy in your relationship, either by choosing that filter or um, or 
writing it in, my, in the profile. In my profile, it's very, very clear right in the beginning, uh, including that it's solo polyamory. Yeah. But again, if anybody, some people are interested in that, but they, because of their sense that this is something that you explore with a partner, then they're looking for a primary partner first. And they says, yeah, well, mm-hmm. let's, let's first establish our relationship dynamic, build the trust and everything, and then start opening up, which can, can make sense if your starting point is stability comes from this monogamy idea, right? Yeah, right. That's, that's the starting point. That makes sense. For me, because I was, you know, starting from a place of being single and, and already knowing I'm polyamorous, it was easier to, to just tell right away, look, I don't want to be in our hierarchy. I don't yeah. want to live with somebody right now. So if we start a relationship, this is the, um, that's the parameter. Like, this is where we are. That's like my boundary. Mm-hmm. And if it, if you want something else, then great. Go and, you know, get that. Um, and that might mean that, you know, I'm, I can have a partner that has a primary partner and I'm like, for, for her, I'm the secondary. But from my perspective, there isn't a hierarchy necessarily. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. makes total sense. And I, I love that you touched on about, you know, making sure that you're, you're staying safe and, you know, it, it isn't, we're really lucky in our lives because we can talk about this openly. Our families are really supportive of us. Our Mm. friends are really supportive of us. You know, we're really lucky that we can be so open and we've acknowledged that before that it's a huge privilege that we can kind of be out in the world as a queer open relationship people, you know? Mm. Um, But I love that you touched on, on being safe and, you know, did you have any tips for, for staying safe, you know, whether it's online or um, within relationships? Hmm. We understand that might oh. be a bit of a difficult question yeah. to answer for people that live in the Middle East, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, just from yeah. your own um, your your own perspective, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's well, a broad question. Yeah. yeah, it's a very broad question. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's going to be an element of uh, leaping into an unknown in any case. Yeah. At the end of the day, because we all start from a place of only knowing monogamy, in most of the time, I mean, there are people who grew up in a polyamorous household, and for them, it's very, very normal, right? Uh, especially you know the kind of younger generation have so much access to it that it's normalized just like queerness is and and that's great Mm. because people know right away that they have options i met people who never knew what a monogamous relationship is you know they've only started from polyamory Mm -hmm. right from the teenage years and that's just their normal right yeah it's just really weird that you would like only be with one person (laughs) um so but this preparation that that it is risky it can be risky uh when i kind of came out to my family i didn't know their reaction i mean i trusted that it wouldn't be horrible and it was great and it was very supportive but you know i didn't know necessarily what it would be um, yeah totally and so often people will surprise you i mean you might be like you know imagining the worst scenario because there's that fear but if you actually just bring it up then you might, you might be surprised yeah uh, I think, especially with people who have been like long-term monogamous, it's something that I know like I always was afraid to bring up when I was in monogamous relationship. Uh, even if I had that like inkling that that may be possible, I, you know, because I didn't want to hurt my partner, I didn't want them to reject me. So um, it was just like a taboo thing, and it is for many couples. Yeah. yeah. And interestingly, sometimes both might be thinking it, but but worry the other person isn't, and therefore will not bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So and you get my, stuck in this weird yeah, sort of spiral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My coaching, and I and I also coach monogamous couples because ultimately what I coach on is having open, honest conversations without yeah. getting triggered, right? And yeah. being able to process mm-hmm. difficult emotions or difficult things really fully. Mm-hmm. So if we just train on that, learn how to have difficult relationships. Uh, diff- so difficult communication and uh, bring up our truth, knowing that 
it won't scare a partner away, going that a partner can handle our truth, even if they don't agree with it. They can sit and listen to it and recognize that that is not a criticism or a statement about them. It's just my truth. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that is really the important practice here. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people will say that everything in relationship is about communication. And if you can be really good communication, then polyamory becomes so much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so true. I think, I, I think yeah. all relationships become easier, really. Even your platonic yeah. ones or your family ones. Yeah. This is something we're so big on that that word is like if you could give advice, relationship advice with one word, then communication would be would be the word. And and I think also communication in a, like as you said, without being triggered, without taking what your partner is saying personally or as a reflection on you as a person. As a criticism. Yeah. yeah, and more of just a, okay, this doesn't actually say anything about me as, <clears throat> as a person. And just trying to be able to separate that, like you say, um, is, yeah, it's it's hard. Jeez, it what a journey. Yeah. But it's worth it. Well, it is, well, it's definitely worth it because the level of intimacy you can get to, you know, and the trust yeah. that you build Seriously. through that. Because yeah. if my partner knows that she can come and tell me difficult things, then maybe can, you know, she will perceive as hurtful to me because it might be a criticism, but it is from her place, right? Yeah, yeah. If I can show her that I receive it and we can have a conversation about it without me being defensive, without me kind of feeling I'm attacked, mm-hmm. then she trusts me to handle her difficult truths. Yeah. yeah. And she can come yeah. to me more with that and she also will be open to receiving mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so one of us would have to start being vulnerable enough to create this chain of events, you know, and, and build yeah. that trust. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and no, that, that has allowed me to go really, really deep with, with partners, you know, to know that we have that level of trust that we can talk about anything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that wouldn't, you know, that, that involves knowing, having the empathy to know when my partner is ready to have that conversation or checking in, you know, I want to have this conversation. Is this the right time or shall we schedule another time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm going to say my thing now. I don't care how you feel right now. I'm going to say it. That's yeah. not, that doesn't really work. So, yeah. so yeah. True. we need to, yeah. Know also how to regulate even if it's about waiting a little bit until it's time to have that discussion. Yeah, mm. big time. That's so true. Yeah. So well put. I, lo- I know, so eloquent. Yeah. I've been trying to say these things. <laughs> I'm just going to play people this episode yeah. when I need to explain something. But, um, I mean, I hope that listeners are getting the same sort of catharsis out of this as me because I'm, I'm sort of like listening to what you're saying and I'm, uh, and I'm just thinking back to so many times where we've done... I mean, I'm, think- I'm thinking about the times we, do- we did things well but I'm also thinking oh, you and about, I. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, sorry. Just to clarify, I'm talking about me and Siobhan here. Um, uh, and and I'm thinking that's really validating. But I'm also thinking about like the how times, we could improve. How, yeah, how we could improve. <laughs> yeah, and also and also like how we have improved over time. Um, and sort of, yeah, that's just that's really like a really good feeling. Um, and, it, you know, it's also helping hopefully not just me, but other people <laughs> equip themselves with um with these tools to, to, you know, um, and I would encourage, encourage them to f- explore further because obviously you can't really learn, um, all about it in the, the space of a one hour podcast, yeah. but, um, but hopefully it kind of introduces those ideas a little yeah. bit more. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the work, the personal work that is being done by people that I see that are exploring polyamory specifically because of the deep love, you know, I think that, there's a lot of work to do in, say, nomin- in, in multigamy overall in terms of managing things like jealousy and, and time management and communication. 
when you start have, adding the kind of polyamorous emotional depth as well, then yeah, difficult emotions and challenging things and maybe childhood trauma triggers are going to emerge. Mm. So the work people do is just outstanding. It's just really, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed sometimes by how much growth there is in people that choose to tackle that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was re- reflecting on it in the dinner I had with my three partners um, a couple of nights ago, that just being there, all of us happy, having a nice conversation, um, you know, and just just being there all together um, required all of us individually to do so much work. Yes. Yeah. And that was like an, such an important kind of valuable insight for me that that it's worth it you know it's worth it yeah. because you have these like magical moments yeah. of people coming together and just sharing the love that we all we all share i was gonna yeah. say there's a lot of love at that table yeah it's just really nice sounds amazing doesn't it yeah yeah um well thank you yeah, we are going to play a little game yeah. with you before we let you go to the rest of your day yeah. so our our regular listeners will know that this segment uh it's, but we're returning segment today called Question, question of, of the, the week, week. <laughs> and basically if you if you're brand new basically we um could try to answer a question that we may get asked a lot mm. being in a couple in an open relationship um mm. but today because we've got a guest we're going to ask Roy yeah. a question that well, we're going to gear it towards him aren't we as yeah, well yeah yeah and i mean you've you've said it during this this interview that you're someone who is solo poly and this is sort of a question that we talked about when we spoke to you last week um and it's one that you say you get asked a lot so i'm going to ask it to you and then feel free to to answer it um i'm sure you've answered this a hundred times so here we go um so if you had to which of your partners would you choose a classic one that you must get as a solo poly person (laughs) I do get it sometimes, mostly for like yeah, from hierarchical or monogamous people, uh, friends and stuff even. Uh, but this idea, like, well, if you are on a desert island, you can only take one partner. Or something, right? <laughs> okay. It's like a really twisted version of desert island discs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, here's the thing, you know, I I chose this lifestyle, but because it chose me, you know, I can't be anything else. This is just who I am. It is. It is my orientation. I've done actually quite a bit of research because it was very, I was very curious about whether people consider it an orientation. So I have done a big survey. I have like 850 respondents and overwhelmingly like 96% uh, feel that polyamory is their orientation. You know, it is their part, their core identity. And I feel like that. Hmm. So it's not about that. I mean, I, I've, because this is my identity, I live this life. I choose to live this life. I mean, like if I was forced to, I guess I could do monogamy. Like if there was, some draconian law that forced us to only have one partner, I'd just be miserable, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so the beauty is that you don't have to choose. That is the beauty, you know? Because uh, this is, the, you know, if, if somebody asks you to choose between your children, you can't, you know, how would you do that? It's just mm-hmm. unimaginable. And same for me. I just can't imagine that I would ever be in a position where I would have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's as simple as that, isn't it? It is, yeah. It, you just it, don't have to choose. It's a question that you you would expect to like have many layers to the answer, but it really is that simple. And of course, they, I always find these questions kind of annoying because it's like, well, the reality is that that's that I'm never going to be faced with that 
so what's the point in me even having applying yeah. my brain energy to answer yeah. that question yeah because i don't and, need and, and, and to beyond, yeah i think beyond that is that like you know i might and i've had in the past experience partners you know i, I dating somebody you know we didn't get to like a partner stage but dating somebody and it's going somewhere and it's very nice but they're maybe not so experienced and they're exploring and they're open to polyamory but they're not sure yet right and that situation there, there can there has been times where they realized it wasn't really for them and they would prefer to actually be monogamous and um therefore once that happens they're no longer the right partner for me yeah right yeah because yeah, yeah. what they want for their life is not what i want 100%. and if they find somebody who they can be happy with monogamously great but yeah. it wouldn't be me yeah and that's and once again though that's that is the same with any with a monogamous relationship as well right like if there's something that is a cause for uh like a basically that just kind of in, invalidates that relationship because you don't want you don't want the same things then that would be the same with anything right? same thing it just so happens that in this scenario that thing is the relationship dynamic itself and the relationship orientation itself yeah yeah yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I could talk to you for about four and a half hours, I think. Well, we're 10% of the way there. so. Uh. <laughs> um, but we would love for you to tell our listeners where they can find you, your website, your socials, all the things. Sure. Yeah, it's been a really fun conversation. And, uh, you know, we can probably do it again sometime in the future and talk about other things We'd as well. Love, oh. We would love to have you. Uh, honestly, trying to choose yeah. all of the stuff. Like when I sent the original email, <laughs> you responded saying, that's a lot of stuff in an hour. And I was like, Roy, I know. Like, I just couldn't yeah. choose. And that, and, that yeah. was a, and that was a choice that we had to make. We had, <laughs> we had no choice there. But anyway, I have a, a website called openrelating.love. And it has my coaching and kind of counseling information on there. So people can book me for private uh, coaching. Also, there are videos, both free and paid videos. There are blog articles. And I mentioned there's a whole glossary, a relationship glossary. Um, and as well as uh, information about events that I run in London, as well as online. So that can include workshops, consent-related, uh, um, and other stuff, including some fun things like play fighting um, in London. <laughs> and then on socials, I'm open relating one word on all socials. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, although I... Didn't I haven't figured out TikTok yet? So it's... neither have we. <laughs> I think past a certain age group, we we haven't. We talked about last night, and I said, I think yeah. I said, Richard, we're too old. Like we're I don't think old. we can do it. Can't do it. Um, <laughs> we well, struggle yes. enough with reels on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we dropped our first like. People, proper... go, sorry, go ahead. Have, so yeah, if you have if you have uh, listeners uh, in London or in the, in London area, then I also am one of the admins of London Polyamory, which is a london-based kind of facebook and telegram group nice. uh, and we also have some meetups and socials in, in london oh amazing amazing how cool we we'll, a... we'll definitely get down to one of those yeah we're london uh, yeah, so, we're london, so. <laughs> um that'd be great well yeah guys go and go and check all that stuff out um please subscribe to us rate review us hit five stars you know send please. it to a friend <laughs> a family member a metamore like go for it yeah everyone Everyone and everyone, your pets. Get your pets to listen to it. <laughs> if you go out, you know, le just leave us on talking in the background. I'm sure they'll find plenty of comfort in our lovely voices. voices. Um, <laughs> you can also uh, follow us on social media. We are at poly underscore podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. You can also find us at our website, the-poly-podcast.captivate.fm. 
and you can email us, podcastthepolly at gmail.com. We'll see you next from, time. From us and from, and and from, from Roy. Roy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>